My name is Anthony Capazzoli, and this is the Dismantled Life Podcast, where we share stories of hope, love, and strength from the darkness of addiction into the sunlight of sobriety. These are stories from people just like us who have lived through the pain and made it. No matter how bad it gets, just know that you can and will recover. It takes work. It takes hard work. Each week, we talk in detail about what it takes to make it, what it takes to beat your addictions. I am a recovering addict from alcohol, cocaine, and nicotine. My addiction started in eighth grade. I am now 50. I had over 40 years of very bad habits to break. I hit rock bottom hard. More than once, I nearly died. I would have left my wife and two young children behind. I've been clean and sober for nearly three years. I completely dismantled my entire life and rebuilt it from the ground up. I believe to make it in recovery, it takes a physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual approach. It takes a positive mindset. It takes hard work. It takes a village. Join me weekly to learn from my sober superhero guests on the Dismantle Life podcast. Subscribe and follow on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere you listen to your podcast. Check me out at dismantle.life. Email me at anthony at dismantle.life anytime. Please be sure to leave a rating and review anywhere you listen to your podcasts. And let me know if you want to be on the show. Happy recovery. This is the Dismantled Life Podcast, and I'm excited to have you on, Jesse, because there's two prongs to this. There's one, there's your recovery, which I think is an, an important part of our conversation. And one we can do second, because I really would like to start with your being a leader in addiction and helping people uh, facilitate and process and help people recover in not necessarily through a recovery process, but through facilitation of recovery. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Where would you like me to start? Um, I think it'd be great to maybe start a little bit of your background about what you do and how you help people in the recovery space. And then we can talk through and get to your your personal recovery because it's an interesting one as well. Yeah, absolutely. So just a little bit of background. Um, in 2017, I left Verizon, a 14-year career with Verizon, my day job, to start Entrepreneurs in Recovery. And the idea of my mission for Entrepreneurs in Recovery was to be a speaker, be a coach, uh, be an author. And um, what happened though is about two months after I left my job, I, I found um, a training that actually taught me how to become a facilitator. And see, I thought I was going to be like a speaker and all this stuff. And like I, I've done speaking, but I learned the mastery of the art of facilitation during this training. Kind of changed everything. And that's when Entrepreneurs Recovery became Recovery Facilitation. And so I would start to go out to sober living residences, uh, drug courts, mental health centers, and all these places, and in the beginning for free. And I would facilitate these conversations, these workshops around resilience, around elevating your recovery, around appreciating your recovery, around self-care and recovery, very relevant topics. And what I found is not only did the workshops draw an amazing amount of energy, they also had long lasting effects. I would catch up with these individuals later on because of HIPAA laws and stuff. I couldn't follow them, but I would see them again at a, you know, if they were in a 28 day treatment center, I'd see them at a sober living home that I was facilitating in a few months later. And I would say, Hey man, how did this go for you? Did it, and I've been visualizing every day since you said that I've been reading the book you told me to read. And I'm like, wow. And he's like, I just landed a job. So I'm like, okay, there's tangible results happening. And this was in the early days. And then from there, what happened was these CEOs were like, hey, you can't come back unless we pay you. That's literally how I started getting paid. They were like, you can't come back unless we start to pay you. So that's when I started to create 
you know, a pricing for as like a consultant coming in and, and facilitating. But I also did have a, a background in clinical and mental health counseling. Um, and, you know, so I was familiar with, with some of those things, but, but they were bringing me in because I, I was, um, I'm someone in long-term recovery. I'm coming up on 15 years of recovery next month. Oh no, this month, this month, the 18th. It's going by so fast. So, so, so that's kind of the business today is, is what I'm doing is I work with like, like whole states, like the state of Georgia has called the Georgia Council on Substance Abuse. And this council works with 34 recovery community organizations. And these recovery com- called RCOs. These RCOs cover the entire state of Georgia. And so hmm. they have a model that needs to be replicated. I just want to start with that. But they brought me in as a facilitator. They gave me a large grant from SANSA to come in, a Building Communities of Recovery grant to come in and be a facilitator for 2020. And because of COVID, I did everything online and it worked beautifully. In fact, the CEO, Neil Campbell, said to me, the one constant factor we could look forward to for for 2020 was your facilitation because everything else was chaotic. So I Hmm. um, really had an amazing journey with working with the state of Georgia um, this year. And it really showed me where this is going. So I was able to train over 300 peer recovery coaches in my recovery facilitation this year, over 350. And so I was doing that on a one-on-one basis before that. And I was still facilitating at these different settings of mental health and recovery. But now it's starting to to grow into a place where I can now train much more people, more scalable to help more people to learn this methodology, to be able to facilitate at their sober living residence. So let's say you you own a sober living home or you have a staff there. You want them to deliver workshops and content education that's relevant. That's not going to, that's going to help them to get a better job. That's going to help them connect to their inner self, connect to the inner strength, the resilience. So really relevant content that has helped me in the last 15 years and and the thousands of people that I worked with to be able to be an entrepreneur of their recovery. They don't have to be an actual entrepreneur, but just of their recovery, live a self-directed life, improve their health and wellness. And so that's the work I do today. It's, it's helping others to become recovery facilitators. What is entrepreneur recovery? I love that. So just in maybe in regular business terms, it sounds like it's got two layers, a train the trainer concept where you help people learn how to facilitate their own recovery processes at at the places that they're going to be doing the recovery. And then you also have layers where you actually help those directly get recovered as their own entrepreneur of their own recovery. Exactly. Yep. That's amazing. I think that that's cool as hell. I mean, and you have, a, so there's a book I have to ask you. I'm, I'm afraid of cold showers myself. I have talked about this and I understand the medical benefits to it and I've tried yeah. and I just have to suck it up and crank the cold water on and just bite the bullet and ride the wave here, so to speak. Maybe we could talk a bit about, about your book and your cold shower approach. Yeah. So the cold shower approach emerged after a friend of mine in recovery came to my house five years ago and he knew that I struggled with anxiety because I was 10 years in recovery, nine years in recovery. And I had this big shameful black mark on my heart, which was my severe anxiety. And I didn't want to share it with people because, oh, look at you. You have all this time. You're a clinical mental health counselor. How could you still have anxiety? And I still had it so severe that I couldn't even leave the house to go food shopping at times. But I was really embarrassed to share it. So I kind of kept it hidden. 
And my friend knew, my very, very close friend, and you always want to have these close people in your corner that I would share this with. And he came over one day and he said, you need to start taking cold showers. It was like the first thing he said. And I was like, I'm not, no, I'm living in New Hampshire. It's 35 degrees outside. I'm not taking a cold shower. <laughs> my roommate at the time ran upstairs. He says, I'm doing it right now. Turns the water all the way cold. I go, I run up there. I'm like, let me make sure that's really cold. And then like, I'm like, all right. So I get out and he took a straight cold shower. And I was like, I'm going to do it then too. And so I decided <laughs> to jump in the cold shower, straight cold for five minutes. I came out, I was red. It was like, it was very difficult. Well, what happened was two hours later, I went to a meeting and it was a Thursday night. And I remember that anytime I would go to this meeting in the past, I would immediately feel this sensation of anxiety and anxiety crops up physically, it crops up emotionally, and it crops up even spiritually. It really affects all of the bodies of the, that we have. And so this time though, I sat down, I had no anxiety for the whole hour. And I was like, the only thing I did different was take that cold shower. And I was buzzing. I was euphoric with energy too. So I'm like, let me do this for 30 days. Let me do a 30-day trial of cold showers. Now, this was a pivotal time in my life. I was in my master's program, finishing it up. I was also working full-time as a manager at the mall. So 70 hours a week, seven days a week. And I really needed something to help me. And especially with this anxiety. And I started taking these cold showers every morning. So they say you should do the hardest thing first in the morning. Well, the hardest thing first in the morning for me was the cold shower. And I would do it and I would come out and for three hours, I would be buzzing and I would just show up to work. I would be able to lead the troops, help the customers. And I was like, and the best part is my anxiety was being reduced. And I was like, Hmm. okay, this is crazy. And I kept going and I kept going. And a year went by, I quit caffeine. Like I was a caffeine I had caffeine addiction, you know? Yeah. And, and I literally would drink two Red Bulls a day. I kept a case of Red Bull in my trunk uh, for seven years. And I, I quit caffeine with the help of cold showers. So, so, so I was like, what is the deal? So I just kept doing it. And I was changing other habits. So I was habit stacking. I was actually finding other helpful habits to stack on top of the cold showers. And so it was like the habit of the cold shower was the keystone habit. And the other habits kind of floated along with them because I became more confident. I had less anxiety, which caused me to put myself in more situations that would have caused anxiety to get me more opportunities to be successful. And so, so eventually a couple of years of doing them, you meet people and they're like, Hey, who are you? And I'm like, well, I work here and I take cold showers. And they're like, why do you take cold showers? And I would tell them the anxiety story and they'd be like, Oh my, I've never heard that angle. You need to write a book. And so you hear that enough. Eventually I self-published my own book in 2018, 11, 11, 2018, I launched the Smash Your Comfort Zone uh, with Cold Showers book. And that's, the, that's kind of the backstory. And so from there, I've talked to hundreds of people who have never would have taken a cold shower. And they, they read my book and they said, I'm going to just try this. And, yeah. and then now they take cold showers. Do they take them straight cold every time? No, they take their warm shower. And at the end, they take it cold because it's also good for their hair. So for women, it's good for your hair too. They already know that. And, and so, so there's a lot of other benefits, but, but just starting off by saying, you know what, I'm going to do it today. Today's my day. And just burning yeah. it cold and then going out in your clothes on and getting go do some exercise and now you're motivated and that's what was the difference maker for me it was the mood change the energy booster and the anxiety shifter so that's really what really really helped me and so it's 5 years later I'm still taking them and I don't really plan on stopping because cold is alkaline warm is acidic so cold showers brings more immunity to your body because it's a alkaline state 
of being cold. So that's another reason why I haven't been sick in years. And, and I used to get sick every year. The flu would come, allergies would come. My seasonal allergies are gone. I don't get sick. So it's a, it's, there's no coincidence. Now, cold showers was the only thing I changed too. I could change it other things, right. but it was, it, was a, it was a catalyst for smashing my fear. I've heard the wonders of it, and the the way I would have to do it would be the warm shower first, and then at the like the last two minutes, maybe thirty seconds to start yeah. for me. I don't know what the rules are, but uh, I would probably start with thirty seconds of just pure cold, and then maybe gradually add time over exactly. time. Yeah. Um, it perhaps after because I first thing I do when I get up is go boxing. I, I go uh, every day and. 5.30 in the morning and I box for an hour and I love it. I come back, I walk and then you, then I shower, but that shower is always a warm, sh- hot shower, right? So I have to add that 30 seconds that I've heard, not just from your book, but uh, Tony Robbins does. He does a cold submersion. He actually in a near many homes, I would imagine I don't know how many he's got, but he's got like this submersion thing that he dives into every day or jumps into. And he religiously does it. He said it changed his life, just like you described. So, the health benefits. So the psychosomatic piece, it refreshes you mentally, refreshes you physically. It's alkaline. So it helps with your immunity. And then I would imagine it just chart rampage charges like a dynamite, like a stick of dynamite your your day. I mean, yeah, my goodness. Yeah, and that's the biggest thing is like what I find with people mental health recovery is that we really struggle. And one of the things we struggle with is 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 self-doubt. And we struggle with feelings of we struggle with feelings of insecurity. Uh, we feel we struggle with feelings of just being less than. And one of the things that I found with cold showers is when I'm feeling those feelings, when I'm starting to feel those feelings that are not true, it's really the mind talking shit. And when I'm knowing that yeah. it's not true, what I can what I can do to break that state, that pattern, you can do many things, right? You could do yoga, qigong, all these different things that are amazing. But if I'm preparing for something and those thoughts are coming in and I'm about to facilitate or be on stage or do something, I'm going to take a cold shower because immediately I get into a meditative state because I can't be in the cold shower like thinking about my taxes. I'm in the cold shower and I'm present. I'm like focusing on my breathing. I'm focusing on each body part like because it's cold and I'm and I'm in the moment. And you know what happens too is like this, oh, my best my best ideas come from the shower. Well, guess what? My best, a lot of my best ideas have come after the shower because I've got myself, the, the beta endorphins have been released. I've had the cascade of chemical reaction happen in my head of the feel good hormones. And now I'm out of the shower and now I'm feeling charged. Now I'm like, I am going to finish that last chapter of the book. So I, that's, and, and I think that's more a catalyst for me of being in addiction recovery is like, I needed something that was a supercharged shock. I couldn't just have like, let me just sip some tea. Like I need like the resilient booster. I need the resilience. I need my resilience capacity increased. And that's what the cold shower. So if I was to rewrite my, my book, I would add a lot of new things that I have discovered. And one of those is the, the number one strength of people in recovery, I believe is resilience. And I believe that cold showers adds to that resilience factor. And that could be the, one of the most important factors that we can rely on when everything hits the fan. We want to have our recovery team, you know, people we can connect with always, but we also got to do something with ourselves too. Think that people that are in recovery that, that have gone through hell and back like we have, um, I like to call us sober superheroes. And mentally, we do talk shit to ourselves that we're not good enough. We failed. We this, we that, whatever it might be. But I've, I've been using the term sober superheroes on the show a lot because at the end of the day, we really do wear capes. Nobody can see them. 
you know, and that's okay. But we've been through shit and our main purpose, the one thread, the common through line for everyone in recovery that I've ever had on the show or talked to is their willingness and want to help others, not just through writing books, but spending time, giving them confidence boost, being in their corner for a conversation, whatever the hell it might be. And the stories that we can relate to, we don't judge, we don't roll our eyes, we don't get freaked out because we've all done some pretty fucked up shit at the end of the day. And I love the fact that it gets to be like I said, a, a sober superhero layer. And, and I love that you've split this off into a couple different things. I mean, recovery, entrepreneurial recovery, we talked about that. Then your cold shower book, I think is wonderful. And it all stems from, which I think is your superpower that you have been, you're in recovery yourself. And I'd love to hear about that. A yeah. Bit let now. me just comment real quick about what you said about the recovery superhero. I'm actually releasing my next book in January. And this next book is a self-help memoir. So it's my story, every detail, even details I haven't shared with my family. And this is going to be a very intimate mm -hmm. book, but it has a solution to it. And I actually put in my book, I love what you said. In my book, I literally put, I'm a recovery warrior. My hardest battles have already been won. And so I love when you say that because I am a recovery warrior. I'm a warrior. I've been through battles and they've, they've already been won. And the new battles that come are going to be nothing like the battles I fought. So that, and so thank you for saying love that because it. it really made me... <laughs> Think about that. So my recovery story. So you mean like what happened that type of story? I tell all the guests on the show that um, this isn't a gladiator school. We talk maybe a little bit about pre-addiction, what that was like. And then maybe what I, I was, I liked cocaine, alcohol, and cigarettes. So those were my three trifectas of hell. I call it the trifecta of hell. And, you know, just a little bit about, you know, what your backstory is with addiction. And then um, what the, what the end point was, if there was a rock bottom, maybe that, and then what, life is like now. Quick and dirty version is essentially, I was someone like many of us who grew up with trauma. And my father at four years old, he left and he was someone who fought in Vietnam and he got addicted during Vietnam. And he was one of those, you know, one to 5% that came back and stayed addicted, but found AA, got sober and then relapsed. So he, he, he caught hepatitis and C and you know, all that stuff. And but he tried to stay sober, but eventually cocaine got the best of him and alcohol. And at four, he left and it was in an accident and he, and it was, he was in a coma for 22 days and had brain damage. So permanent brain damage. So I lost my father that day at four. And even though he was alive, so we didn't from four to 20 really didn't talk. So that was some trauma. And that trauma led into some erratic behaviors as a child, um, lighting things on fire in the house, stabbing couches. And th these things, um, you know, were part of me acting out because it was a part of me that I believed that I had caused this to happen. It was a part of me that believed that I was responsible and I wasn't lovable and anyone I loved would leave. So this, this idea of abandonment and trauma stayed with me and it still can play into today. So I had this belief, this story, and I ended up just being someone very prone to addiction after because I would find things that got me outside of myself. You know, like a lot of us, it was baseball cards and then it was gaming and then it was internet pornography at 12 years old and 13. And that it's still an epidemic, a silent epidemic to today for society. Oh, yeah. So I, you know, so, and then high school was a really tough time for me. I struggled with, with anxiety, severe anxiety. So I didn't go to the prom and I quit all sports. And, and so when I got to college, I was just ready for me to find drugs and alcohol. I was just like, I was a fertile right. <laughs> soil for me to reality. Definitely. And in college I found, I found everything, you know? And then what happened was I failed out of college. I flunked out and actually Susan Thistle, let's go there real fast. She's 
professor at the same school yeah. I flunked out at when I was 18. And I went back to the school and spoke at her classroom a few months ago um, before the COVID. And, um, and I got to share my story. So anyways, let me go. That's awesome. That is really cool, actually. You know, 18 years later, 15 years later. So I, um, so I flunk out of school and what ended up happening is I found someone who was into harder drugs and I immediately grabbed it towards. So my father was a cocaine addict. And so I had never tried it. And then I had this opportunity this one night, the night he died, in fact, the night he died, I actually was introduced to cocaine for the first time. And I remember doing it. And I remember the feeling of feeling like this is how I was supposed to feel since I was born. And I didn't get to feel this way. And so that's a scary thing when you feel that, when you feel that that is what love feels like. And so I chased that so hard. So that was about 20 and I chased it so hard for the next two years, which led to my arrest at 22. This is a very short version. At 22, I was arrested with federal felonies and it was very serious. Um, And so I ended up at 22 is when my recovery started because it was very simple. It was like, okay, follow this pretrial probation meeting list, all the stuff you have to do or go to jail for seven years in federal prison. So I was like, okay, all right, cool. I'm going to do the next right thing every day. And I ended up not going to prison. That's a, that's a, another story. And I just, that's where it started. So that's kind of like the high level Love that. That's perfect. Listen, I think that's great. And I tell people like the most of the the guests come on and, and if they do dip into how severe the use got, it's just to put a frame on it. It's not to tell horror stories because I think the one thing is we've all been there. We've all heard it before. We've all lived in the dumpsters as it were. Um, so let's just say that we, I, I used to drink and I used to do blow. We can connect dots after that. I think it's cool that you've turned that around into what you're doing now because your passion comes through and your excitement comes through in the way that you talk. And, and I love that it's, it's still building and moving forward in different ways. I, that is the cool thing about recovery. I think that you get excited about stuff and you realize that I too, by the way, it's funny. We have a lot of similarities. My father was a Marine in Vietnam, came back severely injured. Um, and this isn't, I want to talk any shit about him, but at the end of the day, living with an alcoholic as a child, it's traumatic and it does things and it, it makes you have certain aspects of your life that you're not happy with. And I replaced that with alcohol, then that was alcohol and cocaine and so on and so forth. But the good news is I'm, I'm here now. I made it. And I think that having gone through hell myself, even though I created that hell, is wonderful. And it gives me that superpower that we talked about before and gives me the opportunity to help people on the show through the podcast by telling their stories or having them share theirs and and letting other people know my favorite part about the show is it helps others know by listening that there are people just like them, that you can make it, that there is sunshine. You just have to fight the fight, you know? Um, And like you said, you have to find that purpose on your own, um, whether it's rock bottom or whatever it might be. And you can make it. And not only can you make it, you're better, usually in a better position in your life. I'm nearly 50 and I feel healthier and more stable and more emotionally connected. And I'm able to give more love than I can take in a good way, in a wonderful way. I can never, you know, three years ago. Yeah, absolutely. 50 is the new 30, right? I mean, it's just. That's right. Yeah. um, That's right. Absolutely. I love hearing that. And and that's what it's about. And that's why there's hope for everyone. Like I've seen people in their seventies go back to school and get their doctorates and I've seen people. So there's really like in recovery. So, I mean, I've seen it all. And at this time, well, I haven't seen it all, but I've seen a lot in the 15 years of recovery. See like, 
what's possible yeah. for people. And that's what I'll, I'll never give up that fact because I know it's true. I've seen it firsthand. And uh, yeah, it's a beautiful thing. Definitely. It is a beautiful thing. And then maybe just in closing, um, a couple of things. If people want to reach you, where are the best places to go to find your book, to uh, learn more about you on your website, um, and where they where they can where can they find you socially? And all this, by the way, will be in the show notes. So all the links and ways to find uh, Jesse Harless will be there. JesseHarless.com. If you go there, you'll get a, a quick view of uh, the work I'm doing. The, the new book will be on that website soon. And RecoveryFacilitation.com is the work I'm doing in recovery facilitation. So those two sites, you'll, you'll get a good idea of, and right on there, you can just put your email in there and I'll, and, and contact me if you have any questions about what we talked about today. Happy to answer any questions too. For anyone starting out as they're waiting for the book to get to them on Amazon, how long should they do the cold shower? One minute? Yeah, I strongly recommend starting. And I, this is different. When Back in the day, I was very extreme. I was very fiery and passionate, like five minutes straight. But no, it's what I recommend is start with, Start with your normal shower, do everything you got to do, get clean. And then at the end, like you said, 30 seconds, start 30 seconds, start there. Even start 10 if you have to start 10, but do it. Don't think about it. Just do it. And then when you do it, don't like get like right. a madman and get your head wet and face. Ah, like, like do it gradually. Like get your, soak your feet, soak your knees, soak your belly, like do it gradually like that. And there's your 10 seconds done. And then, and then 30. And then eventually like you might come to a point where you're like, you know what? I'm really sick of being stuck in my life that you might just turn that thing cold, say an affirmation, do a little bit of jumping jacks and just jump in that cold shower and, 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 and stay in that shower and, and breathe deep and box breathing of six and just continue and let that water become that meditation and then come out and then write in your journal and you tell me how you feel. And so that's, that's what I, you know, recommend start small, but eventually if you need to, if you're really struggling with the cravings, you're really struggling with addiction, you're really struggling with depression, give it a shot, like get in there and do it. And, and then, and then look for other modalities to help you as well. But let it be a catalyst. It's free. I think the best things do come for free or damn cheap, usually. Uh, so I love that. Absolutely. I think that's really, really yep. cool. Thanks for being on the yeah, show. I appreciate, having, I appreciate you coming on. 